All right. I'm glad you guys are here tonight. And we're just picking up our study on progressive Christianity. And um, you know what? This is so important. It really is for, for us as Christians. You need to know that because from, when you talk about progressive Christianity or liberal Christianity, it's not. it doesn't really come from the outside. We have enough enemies on the outside that can't stand the church and they're always getting on us and, you know, can't. Know, casting aspersions upon us and so forth. But the tough thing when it comes to this kind of thing is you have people on the inside. It's like, you know, the wolf or the, you know, who's in the hen house? The, the fox. <laughs> the wolf is in the, in the sheep with the sheep. Yeah, I'm mixing my metaphors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so, it, and there's there's always an element of truth, and, and sometimes there's people that we really like, and they start off very solid and very biblical, but over time, they, they stray away from that, and, and so it makes it hard because it's a battle on the inside. And we want to call them brothers and sisters, but in the end, it ends up destroying Christianity itself. So they're not really true brothers and sisters necessarily. I'm not saying every progressive Christian is not a true Christian, but where it leads to ultimately, whether it's progressive or liberal, you lose what the Bible actually teaches. They, they, um, they use Christianity against itself, right? So they'll use all our terminology, but they'll put different meanings to that, to the, to that terminology. Uh, they'll, they'll change definitions. They'll change emphasis on, on you know, what we hold to as Christians, and it makes it really hard, but it ends up destroying us from within. So like we have even the liberals back in the early 1900s, I'm sorry, um, in the 1700s, um, like Harvard, Yale, they were all founded by Christians. All the major universities, Brown, but liberalism came in and you kind of, well, we don't really believe in the supernatural because we have science now. So we're going to put that aside and, and eventually you, you lose the truth of the gospel. So we have to be on guard. We have to be tough. You got to be really tough on this because you're fighting the battle for the Lord. And if you're not, you're just going to get swallowed up and end up you know, off the reservation and distant from the Lord. So it is very important as we study this. You guys know, I told you this the first week, that this study is based on Michael Kruger's book. It's called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. And his book is in response to another man's book who was an actual progressive Christian um, named Philip Gully. And in his book, Gully has these ten kind of call them commandments, but you know, ways of progressive Christianity. So you have that. This, that's the background of all this. Those um, propositions brought forth and then answers to them. So we're kind of going through that and over that. But it's good for us because you need to be aware. We need to be aware because it is all around us, especially with all the access that we have to the Internet, um, all the social media, everything that's going on. There's, you know, it's, it's, we have to be discerning. And this class is about discernment, uh, wisdom, and uh, noticing what's false and then being strong against that. We have to be strong because if you give an inch, it's over, man. Before you know it, it's in the door and you're done. So let me pray and we'll just uh, begin with our lesson tonight. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you so much. Thank you for everybody here, Lord God. And we just pray that this is a helpful class just to give us wisdom, just to give us discernment, just to understand the nature of the battle. It's not only from without, it's even from within your church. The scripture teaches us all the time, Lord, that there will be false teachers among you, wolves in sheep's clothing, Lord God, those who come in to destroy the, the fellowship and the word, Lord. So this is very intentional, and we need to come to grips with that, that we're in a battle. It's not just out there, but it's also in here. So please, Lord, help us to have... Uh, great great discernment, apologetic skills, Lord, and to hold fast to your truth, even as we look to Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are on number two We uh, of your outline, and it's uh, on page three is where we're, that, that is our outline for tonight. We're just going to do this one. There are going to be classes where we'll take two, maybe three, because they're very closely related, uh, but this one kind of stands on its own. And every one of these propositions or commandments actually strikes at a very fundamental doctrine in Scripture. So, you know, it's, it, it really kind of, it seems innocuous, it seems nice, it seems good, and there are good elements to it. But in the end, it's very destructive, and it really strikes at the heart of certain doctrines. So, for instance, 
This is actually the first of the Ten Commandments, if you will, of progressive Christianity. I know it's number two um, on your outline. That's only because number one was the introduction to the class. So it's going to be a little confusing, but we'll get through it. You know me. Um, so the first one is, Jesus is a model for living more than an object of worship. And that's what Gully has put down his first proposition, a progressive Christianity. That Jesus is a model for living more than an objective for worship. And right away, you look at your outline under A, it deals that deals with the doctrine of Christ itself. And they're not going to come out and tell you. That's another thing. These wolves in sheep's clothing, we're in the church, they're not going to sit there and tell you, hey, I'm a wolf. <laughs> you know, I'm teaching false doctrine. And, you know, you, it, it's going to, they're going to try to trick you. And they, you know, they really believe what they're teaching. This is their version of Christianity. It just ends up not matching up with the Bible. And so we have to say, what are we going to do? Are we going to you know, stick with scripture or kind of give in? But um, this one actually gets down, when you get down to it, it deals with the doctrine of Christ. So the focus for this progressive Christianity. They put the emphasis on practical, on doing, on you know, living out, action, um, more than the worship of Christ as God the Son and Savior. So that's, you, you know you're in progressive or liberalism when you see that. We need to be doing things. We need to be active. We need to be out there, you know, clothing the naked, feeding the poor, serving justice for the world. And again, there's always a little bit of truth in that. I feel air coming in. That feels really nice. It's a little warm in here. Um, so what they tend to do is just like really focus on Jesus' moral teachings and his actions. And the stress is, is laid on his humanity. Jesus is here in the flesh. He was a man uh, on your outline. You see that. This is what Jesus does. He, this is what we need to do. He goes and he, 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 he goes where no, you know, most people don't go. Right? He goes to the lepers and he touches them. You know, he, he's not afraid to, 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 to be with them. He ate with the sinners. You know, he goes in. The religious people stand outside the door and they, you know, you need to change. But Jesus goes in with the sinners. And he, and that's all true. What they fail to tell you is he doesn't accept their sin. So you get the impression from the progressives. Well, he goes in with it, you know, kind of affirms and accepts them. And, um, and that's always the, the deadly twist of these things. They leave out the, the rest of the story, if you will. So um, he, he goes through Samaria. You know, he, he didn't walk around like good religious Jews would do. And they went north to south or south to north, whatever way they were going. They wouldn't go through Samaria because they were a mixed breed of people. We're not going to go through that neighborhood, man. We're going to avoid that neighborhood because not we're not necessarily scared or it's a bad neighborhood where they're going to mug us, but they're not like us. You know, we're not going to defile ourselves. You know, we're too good to go through, through that part. But Jesus went through there. You know, he, he talked to the woman at the well and then later on the Samaritans. Um, you know, he rejected the religious leaders, those those you know, religious people out there that just are concerned about, you know, their their traditions and their ways. You got some good in this, too. Um, he showed love and compassion to the outcasts. So that's kind of the, the mindset um, with, with progressives. So they focus on Jesus' humanity more than on his divinity and what he actually came to do. So... I'm just going to ask you guys a question. Just open up. You can just think about it and, and answer if you'd like. What, when you focus like on Jesus' humanity, what's that do to to um, the person of Jesus ostensibly? You know, what's that make him? In other words, like if he's, you know, just we're just going to focus on you, on his humanity, not necessarily his saving work. And he's just what, like, just a. Do you see how they reduce who he is? He's just another teacher. Yeah, he's a good guy. Perfect. He's just a good guy. He's he's a great teacher. He's a great example. We need to follow him. But you know what? There are other great examples and great teachers too. Can you tell me any? You know, throughout history, people might look to to, to gain wisdom from. There are other great teachers, I guess. Moral teachers. Gandhi. Gandhi. <laughs> no, that's very good. He's kind of up there. Gandhi, you know, the, the Dalai Lama, you know, and aspects of Buddhism and you could look to you know even Muhammad so you know they kind of put Jesus as one of those really fine great wise teachers who kind of transcend regular people but not quite deity so so you lower you reduce Jesus and who he truly is it's kind of subtle because a lot of times they won't it depends on the scale of progressive 
progressivism, um, whether they deny the, the deity of Christ, Christ outright or they just kind of, yeah, he's the son of God, but that has a different meaning than what you think. He's not really fully God, not, per, not fully God in that way. So that's what it does. You know, he, he becomes one of many. We need to watch out for that, look out for that. So uh, the big difference is between giving your entire life. So if you're a follower of Christ, we've given our life to Jesus Christ. Our life belongs to him, including our obedience, our, our thoughts, our words, our deeds. You know, we're instruments in his hands. We acknowledge that he saved us from sin. He is God in the flesh who died for us. So, so we, we understand that. And and, that, and it's the difference between that and just looking at Christ as a good moral guide, you know, as a as a good teacher, um, he shows us how to love our our neighbor, right. right? And this is within the church. This is really inside the church these days. We'll we'll look at some examples in a couple minutes. Um, that that we need to make correct moral choices, and that's how it's presented at first. But eventually, with progressives and just like with all liberals that go go that way. What happens to those those moral choices? The moral choices um, are kind of redefined. <laughs> They're less than biblical. <laughs> so that and that's a real that's what's one of the things that's so insidious about this because now morality has like a Christian label, but it means something completely different. That might not make sense to you right now, but it will in a couple of minutes when we look at uh, some examples. Um, Again, they might not always, progressives might not always deny his divinity, though they often do. Again, it depends on where they're at on that scale. Um, but they do favor the moral and ethical teachings of Christ. That's where the stress is. A lot of times you'll say, hey, we can't really be bothered by doctrine. You know, we're, we, we need to be busy, be, uh, go about doing the Lord's work. So we have to busy ourselves with helping, with doing and not so much just this AOA head study over there that we're not even sure about, and it's confusing, and it's mysterious. But we know that Jesus did this. We know that he really helped. We know that he loved. We know that he cared for people. You know, he was merciful and so forth. And that's what we need to do. So here's the trick with progressive Christianity. By changing the focus and the priority, they become, it becomes a very pragmatic system. Jesus taught a system of ethics that works in the real world. If we practice them, then the world becomes a better place. Can't we all just get along? Can't we just, can't we just accept each other? And again, here's the twist. They change, they change the definition up on you in a moment. And like with, within, that, um, within that idea, we're going to make the world a better place. So as Christians, real Christians, how do we make the world a better place? First and foremost, what do we do? What's most important for us as Christians to do before anything else? Evangelize. Evangelize. Absolutely. We preach the gospel because that changes hearts. When hearts are changed, lives are changed, perspectives change, and then you act in a, accordingly, biblically, the way God wants you to. All right? So that's that becomes first and foremost. So we have a correct idea on what moralism looks like, what those good works look like. When the progressives come in and they say, well, here's what the good works look like. It looks like this. It looks like, and if I had my chalkboard tonight, I left my chalkboard in the car. I'm so bummed. I was going to write accepting, affirming, and embracing other people where they're at. Right? Accepting, that's what they're more, ours begins with evangelism, and then the outworking from there, how does that look as Christians as we're dealing with others? For the progressive Christians, Christianity looks like wherever you're at, I'm just going to accept you. Okay? I'm not going to ask you to change. There's nothing, you know, you're, you're good, Mr. Rogers, just the way you are. By the way, Mr. Rogers was a big-time liberal Presbyterian minister. He was. He and R.C. Sproul kind of almost crossed paths in seminary. Mr. Rogers was a little bit older, I think, yeah. He graduated a few years before from, from the same seminary. And again, a lot of nice things about Mr. Rogers, sweet, kind, all those things. But when it comes down to it, like if you compare him with R.C., R.C.'s up there preaching total depravity, you know, all the doctrines, Mr. Rogers isn't going to touch that because he loves you just the way you are. That 
sums it up, you know, and that's really what it is. So it's accepting, it's affirming and embracing. Whereas true Christianity, of course, you know, here's where you're at, but as we preach the gospel to you, that change is made. We still love you because you're image bearers of God and we'll help you and we'll do what we can, but we're not going to say it's okay to be that way if we're living in sin or we're living contrary to God. You can't do that. You can't go there. Progressives go there. That's a big deal. But that's what beautiful Christianity looks like to them. That's compassion. That's real unconditional love. Is it? <laughs> yeah, that's a, see, yeah, it's, there's, subtle, there's subtlety here, isn't there, man? Um, but that's, you know, these are things uh, contrary to Jesus. Um, again, moralism on their terms. It, it comes down to what you consider to be moral. So for us as Christians... We have to be ready to fight this good fight within the church, within those who call themselves progressive Christians or liberal Christians. So use that name Christian should be, no, wait a minute, you're you know, you're usurping that. You're not really. You say you are, but you're not really trusting or living for Christ. So we have to be tough. And sometimes it's hard to be, um, especially when they're on the inside. But then if you let them go, it, they just they consume, they consume, and it happens all the time. Like I said. Um, the Christian institutions. It's happening today with the Southern Baptist Convention, with many of the seminaries, the Christian colleges, um, Campus Crusade for Christ. Do you ever hear it? Now they've changed their name to Crew. Totally, totally woke, LBGDQ friendly. Yeah, that's their form of evangelism, is just basically loving people where they're at and accepting them. They're not the only ones. There's other um, college ministries that have really gone in that direction. Uh, it just, and it, it takes you over. There's that pressure. That's why we have to stand firm on the word of God and say, okay, wait, what does Jesus say? Who is he? And always bring it back to the gospel and Christ and to the word. So, um, if Jesus was just a good moral teacher, again, here in this, it deteriorates. If he's just a good moral teacher, we have to ask the question, what gives his moral teachings any more weight than any other good moral teacher? You know, so what is the difference between Jesus and Buddha or Jesus and the Dalai Lama? You know, if, if, if it's just that, you know, good kind of teaching to you know, love, love one another. Um, you could pick and choose. What, what sets Jesus apart? You know what it does. You know what it sets him apart. He's God, the Son. He's the Savior. He's right here. Uh, yeah. Um, before, like, here's the big deal for us, and always remember this. Before we can follow him rightly, the way we ought to, the way we're commanded to, we need to be born again. And that's, you know, as Laura said earlier, we need to evangelize as Christians, but we need to make sure that we're trusting in Christ ourselves. Knowing him as Savior and Lord, then you know how to rightly follow him. Because now you're, you know, he's teaching us and, and we walk according to his way. So um, what you want to do oftentimes, even with the progressive Christians, always bring them back to Christ. Always bring them back to Jesus. What does Jesus say about himself? He's a good moral teacher. Did he call himself just a good man? Did he call himself, um, you know, somebody who should be listened to because of what he teaches? Did he accept everybody where they were? Did he just go in with the sinners and say, okay, I love you guys, I just accept you guys? No, when he went into the sinners, they were amazed by his teaching. The Samaritans, they were amazed. Nobody ever spoke like this before. Who is this man? They, you know, Many of them believed and trusted in him. Um, so he doesn't just go in and affirm, accept, and embrace. But that's the easy thing to do. And that's called, like, the loving thing to do. But it's the deadly thing to do. Um, so what does Jesus say about himself? And, and we do have some... Um, Biblical perspectives under B. Jesus is fully God as well as fully man. He's God in the flesh. And the primary message of Christianity is the gospel. This is why Jesus came. This is our starting point. Never leave it. Never overlook it. Never let people drag you away. You know, Start talking about other things that we do as Christians. You First and foremost, are you a Christian? The primary mission is to make disciples. Again, to, that's what Jesus commanded. Go and make disciples first thing to make a disciple is preaching the gospel to them and then teaching them the ways of scripture, right? The right way, the doctrines, and then how to live that out. That's what we're called to do as Christians. Um, Jesus claims to be more than a moral example. So this this right away, when you're thinking about progressive Christians, say, wait a minute, guys, what does Jesus say about himself? Just a couple of passages. 
Um, John 8.58, if you guys have Bibles and you want to turn with me to John 8.58, do that. We won't look at all the scripture, but just they're there for, for you. And, and there, this is just representative. There are many, many more. But John chapter 8. So when you're talking to progress. And now, now, trust me, they're going to come back at some of these passages that we actually read to them. And they're going to, you know, they, they have ways. <laughs> they say, well, that was added by a scribe years later. You know, that, you know there was a, uh, a different document that was used. And we know that miracles really didn't happen and those kinds of things. So there's depends on how far along they are in their belief system. But, you know, this is our word. This is the word of God. This is his revelation to us. This is the standard. And so what does Jesus say even about himself? So in John 8, um, Jesus is um, arguing with, with the Pharisees. And at one point, um, in, in, they were really getting on him. They called him a Samaritan. That's like the worst cut down you could give anybody if you're a Jewish person to another Jewish person. It's like as bad as it gets. And um, he, Jesus goes on to say in verse 54, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, then I would be a liar like you. See, Jesus is not this little meek and mild. That's another thing. You know, they love these teachings. Jesus is tough. <laughs> He's tough and confrontational. confrontational. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see that. He would rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And you guys know that I am, the tetragram and all that stuff. That goes back to Exodus chapter 2. Well, look what it did. What comes right after that? Look, look what they did. So they picked up stones to throw at him. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. But Jesus did not, uh, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They knew what Jesus was claiming. You're claiming to be God. That's, that's the death penalty, man. That's blasphemy. You deserve to die. You know, that's first three commandment type issues. So that's what Jesus says about himself. He doesn't just say, I'm a good moral teacher. He doesn't just say that, you know, I came to, to show you a better way and to show you a way of peace, the way they would define peace. Um, and then in John 5, just go back a, a couple pages. We'll look at that again. This is even more explicit again. He's having it out with um, the, the religious leaders. And and he said, um, he, he heals somebody on the Sabbath, and that's a big deal for the, for the Pharisees. You can't do that on Sabbath day. That's the day of rest, and you're working, and blah, blah, blah. So they're having this big argument on that. And then Jesus says to them, um, in verse 17, my father is working until now, and I am working as well. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath. That's bad enough. You're breaking the Sabbath. But what else? He, he, he was even, even calling himself, I'm sorry, he was even calling God his own father making himself equal with God. So Jesus was doing this. So when the progressives say Jesus is just a good moral teacher, he's showing us a better way, you got to love like him, you know, no, 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 no. There's much more to him than that. Jesus himself says he's more than just that, that he is God. The Gospels, the Epistles present Jesus as more than just a wise teacher with high moral standards. Uh, we'll just kind of stay in the Gospel of John. Uh, John 1 one to three, you guys know this very well. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not made anything I'm sorry, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. So that speaks to the, the deity of Christ. He's more than that. Um, Colossians 2 9 Hebrews 1 3 we won't we won't turn there um, so he the, the gospels present him as more than just this high teacher they saying this is God this is God in the flesh this is the testimony of scripture 
So if you're talking to people who call themselves Christians and they say that, you know, we have the Bible, we believe the Bible, then we need to really press them and say, okay, if you're, calling, if you're dealing with an unbeliever, it's a little different because they don't have, they don't claim to have that same standard that we do. But if somebody claims that they're Christian and they have the standard, well, the Bible, well, okay, well, then let's go to this and let's see what it says. And you're reducing Jesus. You're taking him down off his throne. That's what you're doing. You could, we can't do that as Christians. That proves that we're not truly um, after uh, living for him after his own heart. People after his own heart. Um, he was worshipped as God. He received it, even welcomed it. So uh, you know the story of Thomas, so we won't go there. But let, let's go back to Matthew 28, because this is the Great Commission. We'll just look at this passage quickly. Matthew 28, before Jesus ascends to heaven. And we're real familiar with this, aren't we? Like, we all know this. What's the the Great Commission? Go out and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But sometimes we miss uh, verse 17. Check this out. We'll go back to 16. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And then look at verse 17. Sometimes we miss that. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then he gave them the great commission. commission. Every instance when we're told that Jesus is worshipped, he receives that worship. He never says, no, 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 no. Don't worship me. I'm just a man. Um, Can you guys think of anybody who from scripture where people sought to worship them oh yeah what did he say i mean you don't have to have the exact words but you know basically what he say? don't worship me i'm a man like you we're men just like you you know and they did it with peter too they came out and they tried to worship them all oh, these are they're from the gods you know and i said no 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 get up we're just like you when people worship Jesus, when they gave that reverence, that worship that only God deserves, worship your God only, Jesus didn't say, no, 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 get up. He received that worship. So this gets to the um, the idea with, with C.S. Lewis. If Jesus is just a good moral teacher based on the claims that he made about himself, that the, the claims that the Bible made, the actions Jesus took, he's... He's not just a good moral teacher. He's either what? Remember C.S. Lewis? He's either what? Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. He's either a liar, and if he's a liar, he's not worth following. And the progressives are right, and we might as well just go out and party. The Steeler game starts in half hour. We're gonna, we'll probably still be home for the Steeler game, but you know, <laughs> we can we can start partying earlier for that, and not worry about anything else. If he's a liar, it doesn't matter. If he's not truly God and he says that he's God, <laughs> you know, if he receives worship as God, then he's nuts. You know, he's a lunatic. If he's not truly God, he's, he's either a liar or you're wacko. And let's you know, put him in a room this size with padded walls, and you know, because that's crazy. Or he's Lord. And if he's Lord, then we need to follow him. And and I know you guys know a lot of this. You might, you know maybe refreshing your memory, but this is the standard we have to hold other professing Christians to, all people, but especially professing Christians. If you're a Christian, then here it is. Don't give in, because that's our temptation. Because there's always a little bit of truth in what they're saying, but it's always, understand, it's always going to be twisted in the end. It's always going to reduce Jesus. It's always going to take away something, the miracles, you know, what the Bible actually teaches. That's progressive. That's liberal. We're more relying on science and, you know, the natural. That's humanism. That's naturalism. We are supernaturalists, and we really believe this. That's why we're called fools, for Christ's sake. (laughs) So don't be surprised when they call us foolish. Um, But we're standing on his word. Um, We're coming to the end of our outline, so we're almost done. But I still have a few more pages in my actual notes, so... We're going to go right there. Again, before you can rightly follow and obey him, you must, must first be born again and trusting in, in him. Um, so 
the second thing I was going to write on the blackboard <laughs> with progressive Christianity is they are selective and deceptive. Um, again, they paint this picture of Jesus being meek and mild, loving and caring, accepting, affirming, and embracing. You know, just, just kind of that you know, wise saying, wise teaching, love your neighbor, turn the other cheek, all these things like that. Um, but what do they avoid? And we already touched on a couple of these passages about Jesus' personality and, and what Jesus came to. They, they avoid, like, yeah, the hard stuff. You know, what it means to be a follower of Christ, what Jesus himself said. So progressive Christians are not going to, they're always going to put the stress on you know, the humanity of Christ, the nice teachings of Christ, this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus tells us to do. Here's how it looks when we're supposed to live. And in the meantime, they're really twisting all that anyway because they're they're not giving the full context. They're not giving the full meaning. It's very, very slippery, very sly. Very, and it's always so sweet because we, we want to be like that. You know, you just want to be nice. Live and let live, right? Why do you Christians always have to say something? What do you care? You know, just let me go. That's always a big complaint for people. We love you. I want to see you go to hell. Um, but Laura's right. Um, the pastor, pastor's wife has got it. Luke, uh, go to Matthew chapter 10. And we'll just use it. And there are many, many passages. These are just representative passages, but I just want us to look at this. Um, again, you could read through the Gospel of John and just see the confrontations going on there and the demands of Christ and what it means to be a follower of Christ. But you know passages that talk about uh, lifting, you know, taking your cross, counting the cost of what it means to follow Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, and, and we know this, I mean, many of us have first-hand experience with this kind of thing, is, is that um, how costly it is to follow Jesus if we're going to be true to him. And he says it himself when we're, when we're actually following him because he knows that the, the temptation is to preserve relationships at all costs, no matter what the cost is. And I see this all the time as a pastor. You know, you have a Christian family or a professing Christian family. Somebody goes astray or somebody comes out as gay or this or that or the other thing. And what happens oftentimes, especially with the parents, they'll come to the place and they'll, they'll accept affirm and embrace and say, you know, I, I, my, this is how God made my son or daughter and I just love them because, you know, we're, we're to fully accept and, 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 and be loving in that way. We love, but when it goes against the actual scripture, you're not really loving them if you're letting them live that lie. Do you know what I mean? So we need to love them as image bearers of Christ. But we can't say, yes, I'm okay with that. I fully accept it. I can't because... So Jesus says um, in verse 34, and progressives are going to avoid this at all costs. They're not going to tell you this. <laughs> Don't think that I've come to bring peace to earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's a hard, 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 hard passage. But what that means, the essence of that is like Christ has to be first in our life and his truth and following him. And so we, we, we live consistently in that way. And where that life is not consistently lived, even among our loved ones, that's going to be a, a place of tension. The thing that you want to do is kind of ease that over, accept, affirm, embrace, you know, and, and, and just you know, have that peace. And I've known and read about like, even pastors who's, you know, the, the one pastor, um, I think one of his sons came out as homosexual and 
And so the, the pastor actually performed the wedding ceremony for his son and that. And then he was asked, well, what if your son comes, you know, changes, comes to the Lord and says, this is wrong. I, I was wrong for doing that. And he said, well, then I would change too. You know what I mean? So you can't, we can't be like that. This is the standard. And it's not just in that area. It's in every area. It's in every every area that conflicts with, with Christianity, you know, where, that, where there's that pushback or the rebellion or that unbelief. Um, that's This is the priority of following Christ. Now, progressives aren't going to tell you this. They're just going to say, hey, this is this is the loving Jesus. But if you really love Jesus, this is what this is how we're going to live. So um, he came to bring a sword. Always remember that. And if you don't get that as a Christian, again, it doesn't mean we hate our kids, you know, and discard our family, or not try to come to a place with a peace with them. It's not that. But if we really love them we're going to do what Christ commands us to do because that's where that true love comes from and the help in the end that they truly need comes from Jesus. I always, I've said this before, and I think it's original with me. We could love our, we could love people straight to hell. You know what I mean? I love you and I accept you. I'm not going to say anything. Even when you know better, all we're doing is loving them straight to hell. We're not doing anything to help them. They might be nice now because you're accepting them, but if we know the truth, we have to say, I love you, but... Okay, that's tough. Um, Jesus said, so progressives, for progressives, and kind of playing off of what I just talked about and read, um, Jesus, you know, progressives will say, Jesus said, love thy neighbor. And you've heard that all the time, like especially during COVID. Wasn't that a big thing? Everybody was saying that. Love your neighbor. You know, go get the vax, wear the mask. If you love your... Uh, there's a little tiny bit of truth in that, but... They take it way out of context, and they're majorly wrong with that because they don't. You have to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind before you know how to love your neighbor first. But anyway, that's another story, that's another time. But progressives love to say, "Love your neighbor." You're a Christian, don't you? Love your neighbor. What's love your neighbor for progressives? Accept, affirm, embrace. That's their definition. See. You, they don't play fair. They don't play by the rules of Scripture. They they turn them. They twist it. That's why we have to be tough-minded and always come back and say, but wait a minute. No. Like, here's what the Lord says about these things. Right? For them, loving neighbor, accepting, affirming, embracing, going along with, you know, not, not challenging, just building up, not hurting self-esteem, all those kinds of things. So, um, as we come to the end tonight, um, yeah, let's just talk about a couple things, try to put meat on the bones a little bit here. So, loving thy neighbor, accept, affirm, embrace, selective and deceptive with the, with the passages that they use in, in progressive Christianity. inside the church, happening now as we speak. Um, you have some of those names on the, on the first page. There's people to look out for. Um, and there, there are many, many more. Every day, this kind of grows and grows and grows. Um, so, for instance, loving my neighbor, accept, affirm, embrace. A big topic, three big things that we think about today. Um, and this kind of crosses over with our politics, too, and, and what we do in the politics next time, God and government and the Christian. But, I mean, our next section of studies. Um, so, like, for loving thy neighbor, you'll hear a lot of progressive Christians say that, Love for neighbor means if you really love your neighbor, then people should have access to what we have as a nation. So people coming into our country, um, they don't call them illegal immigrants or aliens or anything like that. There's a new name for it. Um, Sometimes they'll say refugees. Um, I can't think of the name. Migrants. <laughs> that's right again. That's a, yeah, they'll say that a lot. You, again, it's, it's so much about language and, and using words and definitions and changing meanings. That's why we have to be wise because they use a lot of that. So, okay. euphemisms. We're not going to call them illegal immigrants. Asylum seekers. Asylum seekers. Yeah. <laughs> that's a beautiful euphemism. <laughs> Asylum seekers. That makes it seem nice and good. They're illegal immigrants. They're going to the country. They're, you know. Um, but, and, and this is a big deal, especially progressive Christianity, and, they, and people get caught up in it because there's some virtue to that. You know, shouldn't we care? 
for people that are poor and they're looking for a better life and they're you know, wanting access to health care and perhaps jobs and there's good people coming to, to find work, right? And you, you're the hard Christian saying, you know, you can't come here. Where's the love in that? Hmm? How do we answer that as true Christians? Because you have progressives um, who say this very thing, like, you know, Illegal immigration is such an ugly word. <laughs> Love brokers. <laughs> um, but if we know what we know from Scripture and what it truly means to love our neighbors in the law of God, how do we respond as Christians? Come on in. Just it's, you know, forget about sovereignty. Forget about laws. Forget about coming in the right way according to that nation. Go, go try to do this in any other nation see what happens. You know, Try to get into Canada. I don't know. Are they, are they loosened up? Are they like our, our borders? I don't know. Um, see, as Christians, yeah, we do have a heart for the poor. And as Christians, we do more for the poor than any other nation has ever done. And you can look this up. You know, in the United States, when something happens, we send so much. The Red Cross, that was Christian at one time. It's more liberal now, but that started off very specifically to help those in need. The Salvation Army is Christian and pretty fundamental Christian early on. They still have services. The YMCA, the YWC, these are young men's Christian associations. These are Christians. We've sent more missionaries, we've sent more aid, we've sent more help as a nation, as Christians, to the poor than any other nation, unprecedented in all of history. And and it's because of our commitment to helping the poor, to showing mercy to those who don't deserve or don't need or can't earn it, right? So don't let people fool you so you're unloving as Christians if you don't accept illegal immigration. Are we against immigration? Are we against, what did you call it, Andy? Asylum seekers? Not at all. If they're true refugees, if it's war-torn, of course you make provision for that. If it is an asylum seeker, if there's something imminent going on, we've always made provision for that. But that's not what's happening. They want us to accept this idea of loving your neighbor um, as, as just free, open, affirming, embracing, without any regard for the law itself, which is very important to the Lord. This is an Eighth Commandment issue. Right? Like you're you're coming in illegally, you're stealing, you're taking and being paid for. So there are other laws and rules that are in place on how to come in legally. We're not against the immigration. Come in. Come one, come all to to to, 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 to truly seek that better life, but do it legally. But that's blasphemy today. To say what I just said. <laughs> you're unloving, you're a bigot, you don't really care about people. You know, they're and then if you really look at so many of the people that are coming in, they're not good people. I mean, they're not really looking for a job and a better life. And, you know, like many of our parents came over, and that's really what they did. And they worked hard, and they, they went by that. And there's there's order, there's structure. With Satan, it's always chaos and um, deconstructing. You know, that's what it always is. It's as messy as it could be in that way. So... There is that love and that compassion, but there's a way to do that, to come in. And we do care. And if it is a true emergency, absolutely. But this is being used for other purposes, political purposes, so on and so forth. I want to get into that right now. But, you see, that's a loving thing to do. It's a loving thing to do, seemingly the loving thing to do. You you hear reports from states like California, Arizona, all the problems. Now they're busing immigrants. The illegal immigrants would be different places, and it's causing a stir. I can't believe the times we're living in. This is crazy what's happening. You know, they're shipping them into Martha's Vineyard, and they're like, <laughs> now the, the liberals are like, get them out of here. But see, progressive Christians are, are all they, they're, and Francis Schaeffer said this. This isn't original with me. They're just liberals with Christian terminology. That's all. So you shouldn't be surprised when they're for abortion or they, you know, do these kinds of things and things that, you know, um, People that have no regard for God rules or very little regard for God rules, structure, order will do. You know, that's just because they have that, that label of Christian and they use Christian lingo, you have to see what they do. And they'll always end up siding with the, with the very liberal anti-against-God kind of things. You know, so it's pro-abortion. Well, they'll still be pro-abortion. 
even in um, uh, Christian circles. So that's that's a big thing. We'll talk about that another time. It's called we're pro-life, but they call it whole life. So we don't just we of course we we care about abortion and you know it's a shit. It's who was it? One pastor said, you know, we're we're glad that Roe was overturned, but we also feel very badly for the women that have no choice now. Pastor saying that from his pulpit. That's progressive Christianity that's in the church. We believe in whole life. So they'll say something like this with the immigration. It's not just the baby in the womb, but it's also the illegal immigrant or the the asylum seekers are looking to come in. It's also, you know, the disadvantage. It's also those in the in the inner city. It's also those looking for justice. We care about all of life, whole life, you know, that kind of thing. That's just another way of taking the focus off of what we're doing when we're talking about pro-life and saving babies' lives. You know, kind of make you almost feel guilty. Oh, it's so narrow what you're thinking of. Well, right now we have we have other cares and concerns, but that's an immediate care and concern for a certain specific ministry. And you should be on board with that as a Christian. And you know that, that these lives are being sacrificed. But that's, again, another story of going down these trails. But see how it works, though? It's in cities because there's good in it. But they they use our goodness against us or the Christian Christianity against us um, by changing the terminology, redefining it and, you know, trying to change the emphasis in certain ways. It's very sneaky. And then you end up um, not having Christianity at all and reducing Christ from who he truly is. Uh, so it's just this doing good. Um, environmental issues, um, I'll put that in here for tonight. Uh, again, who provides a standard for right and wrong? It's God who does in his word. Um, it's not relative. So, again, immigration, legal, yes, help. We help the poor in many ways. They also say about environment. If you, Christian, you, know, you Christians don't care about the environment. You don't care about the world we live in. You're drinking out of a plastic cup, Andy, with a straw there, and you're going to, you know, <laughs> are you going to recycle that? Um, <laughs> well, that's, so, you know, like, oh, boy, you guys don't really care. You say you care about God's creation and so forth. But, see, they set the terms. They don't go to the Bible and say, here's what it means for creation care. Let's go back to the garden, be good stewards, so on and so forth. They set the terms and say, here's what creation care looks like. And if you don't if you don't go along with what we say, then you're not really a good, nice Christian person. Because a Christian person cares about the world. You don't want your rivers to be polluted and you don't want, you know, the carbon in the world, blah, 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 blah. Right? <laughs> so that's what they do to us. It's like Wait a minute. We love the world. We know God created the world. We know that he sustains the world, right? He's, he upholds it. We know that nothing's going to happen apart from him. We're called to manage, and of course we want to do our part as good stewards, but we're not going to go where you want us to go. We're going to really look at the true science behind it. You know, We're going to really do what we... Um, one illustration is a little bit... It's not like the, the carbon or air pollution stuff, but it's the... Um, Animals, the theology of animals, right? So, what's the Bible teach us about animals? So, if you, the environmentalists, the, the animal activists, you know, they really raise them up. If you're a loving person, you'll never step on an ant, right? <laughs> I don't step on ants. It's hard for me to kill spiders, huh? <laughs> 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 you didn't see all the animals in our backyard. Outside, but in my house, they don't belong there. <laughs> <laughs> we get no chance with that. No, I'm, you know, I'm spraying beehives if it's near the house. <laughs> but see, this is the the like in in scripture. If you look at that, that God made this earth for us to be good stewards of, to care for, and we do it according to biblical standards. Not political motivations, not you know fake science. We really want to get to the truth of this, and, and obviously in that way, do do well like that. But like even with animals, the Bible teaches us that we can use animals for different purposes. And I was gonna say, well, you should never kill an animal or not eat, you know, eat this. In the Bible, animals were used for transportation. They were used for labor. They were used uh, to glorify God, as we see the, the diversity in his creation, um, to eat, to like make shelter out of. So they have these, all these different uses and functions as pets. So you have that wide range that God gave us in his goodness. And that's kind of our standard for that. And so when people come and say, well, no, no, it's wrong to eat, you know, to kill any animal and eat 
that animal. You should never do that. Well, you know, we have the freedom to do that. But if you're a good person, you wouldn't do that. You would really care for them, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so so it's, it's that kind of making us feel bad or guilty about these things. Um, when in fact they don't really, really care, really care too much. So many of them, like you'll see progressives, say they care about the environment, but then they'll do all kinds of things that aren't good for the environment. They're hypocrites, you know, <laughs> flying in their planes, doing what they do. And you, know, you guys eat cake and let us, you know, we'll have the, we'll have the steak and so forth. Um, one more thing. What time is it, by the way? Okay, good, good. One more to be done at eight. So just, we'll just finish up with this. Um, just. I know, it's only 8.02. Technically, we're here to 8.30, but I always want to keep it. We started late. We started it after 7. LGBTQ, um, again, you're image bearers of God. You should love other people, live and let live, all that argumentation. You know, you will accept them. That's who they really feel to be. Who are you to say that, you know, he's not a she or if they want to do that? It's always the Christians who kind of, in the end make that strong stand against us. Because other people, if you don't have a firm commitment in Scripture, so many people just say, you know what? They're happy. They're not bothering me, I guess, for right now. But, you know, let them, let them go, you know. And, and, and so if you... But as Christians, we can't go there. We can't go there. Um, we could respect the dignity, absolutely, made in the image of God, but along with the truth of the gospel. Progressive Christianity, coming into the church, we've talked about side A, side B, Christianity um, regarding homosexuality. Um, you have side A where there are people that claim to be Christians and say that they're Christians. Matthew Vines is kind of the, he was very popular for a time, smart, articulate, very biblical in many ways um, when it comes to this, it comes to this issue. Side A, Christianity is God. Um, we affirm, we accept, we embrace homosexual relationships, marriages, if you will, in that way, um, where there's that commitment, just like a heterosexual marriage. You know, there's no fooling around, there's no playing around. It's you know, wife and wife, I guess. But God honors that, and you can absolutely be a Christian and believe in that and live that life exclusively. Side A, that's come into the church, but coming into even more. That's more, um, most conservatives reject that. But more and more conservatives are accepting side B Christianity. Side B Christianity when it comes to homosexuality is, look, I'm Christian, I'm homosexual, I know that it's wrong, I know that it's sin to sleep with another. You know, I can have a companion and have a life with another person just so long as it's not um, consummated in, in that way. Um, I can kind of embrace my homosexuality and say that I'm a you know gay Christian, but not act on it. And again, that sounds good, and there's you know, some truth in that, and a lot of people are content to go there. But I think as you get to Scripture, you think about Christians and Christianity. It's you know I'm a Christian. I might be a Christian that struggles with that, but I'm a Christian. If you put anything in front of Christian, then you are qualifying your Christianity and your commitment to Christ. You know? Well, I'm a gay Christian. Well, you know, I'm a lustful Christian. I'm a Christian who struggles with lust. You know, it's, it's an indwelling sin. But I'm a Christian. I belong to Christ. I've died, the old man. I'm a new man in Christ. But progressives say that's mean-spirited. And sorry, you're telling people to deny who they are. They're, they're still Christians, but they're, you know, they're gay. And it's okay to be gay in that way if, if you don't act on it. So, and that's a that's a real conversation to have. But and I know I'll just go here. This is the low hanging fruit kind of area. There's, but you could talk about this kind of principle in almost in any area, right? And as Christians, what are we willing to accept, kind of affirm? And the temptation is always to take the the path of least resistance. And, and that's kind of where you end up in the woods. That's why we have to stay strong and say, you know, here's what the Bible actually says. Here's what true love looks like. Here's who Jesus really is. He's, he's not just a, a good example to follow, all accepting, all affirming, all caring. 
He is God to be worshipped, to be trusted in who died for our sins. And then we follow him as our Savior. And we obey his commands, come what may. So when you know Christ, when you worship him, when you love him, when you serve him, is when you know what the absolute standard is. You know, because we, and it's his word. Um, and then we can live rightly. Then you can show compassion, charity, mercy, in a way that doesn't compromise the truth of God. Right? In a way that doesn't compromise his ethics for us. You know, his standard for us. So don't fall for um, simply following Jesus as an example. That's a big thing. It's really coming back. It's always kind of been there. You know, just like repackaging, oftentimes marketing company, advertising companies, you have the same um, product. It's just repackaged. And how many, I love that. They, they just repackaged the cereal. And I bought it because it was repackaged. <laughs> I'm such a sucker. <laughs> like, Laura laughs because she knows. <laughs> he likes the box. <laughs> it's the same thing inside, but it looks cool. <laughs> I do that. I know, and I know that I'm doing that when I do it, but I do it anyway. Ah, but that's the idea here. It's just repackaged. So liberalism, now it's progressive Christianity. That's a cool thing to be, and cool Christians are that way. But it's nothing... Um, Nothing more than just that old denial of the Lord. So don't fall for that. Uh, Jesus is simply an example. But understand his requirement for following him and what that looks like. So we repent. We believe. We die to self. We count the cost. We carry our cross. We struggle with sin. We don't let people subtly change definitions or you know, kind of use the Bible against us to guilt us into something that's not biblical. You know, doing, doing what we're not called to do. Always leading to this accepting, affirming, and embracing. Um, obey his commands, preach the gospel, speak the truth, and be willing to suffer without compromising. So that first one, Jesus is a model. Uh, he's more than just a model. He is, an, uh, he is the object for worship because he is God in the flesh. Is that good? Any questions or comments you want to add to anything? or? I know that. I used to be too. I'll get over. It happens. Over how the world has changed so much, and uh, it's so sad bringing up kids, you know, and if they would come in some night, some time, oh, mom, I'm gay now. You keep them in your home, or what you do, what do you do? I mean, just there's just so much. And then yeah. uh, that immigration stuff, um, they're saying that there's um, veterans that can't get benefits. Yet yeah. these people come in yeah. and get all those benefits. There's, a, there's an unfairness to it in the I end. It's, it's and then there's unequal. people that are waiting for those benefits. Yeah. That, that are doing it legally yes. and then one's coming in they get it on see and that's what it's, a, it's unequal justice it's partiality see these are all unbiblical ideas but see they want to paint a picture and say well it's compassion but when you start saying those things well let's look at it you know they're breaking the law of the land they are taking away it is, people are paying for them they're they're not necessarily coming here to live the life they're you know there's a lot of people with a lot of bad intentions they're getting the benefits while other people aren't getting the benefits. So there's a lot more behind this. And again, you could say oh, it's political. They want to get people to come in and vote for them. And that's probably true to a large extent. This all comes in together. But I think for us as Christians, what really burns me is when you have pastors saying these very things. You know, Jesus was an immigrant because he went to Egypt. Uh, uh, okay, you know he was an illegal alien. He was an illegal immigrant, and he got it. And that, so that no, I'm, I'm serious. This is what they say to us. It's an actual, you know, fact. And so we should be be caring like that. So they rip things out of context and say, and they will say things that don't like that Jesus was an immigrant. Like what is that? What are you talking about? And they say that he went. To, it doesn't make sense. But that's part of the confusion that they like to bring in on Christians. They know that it doesn't really make sense, but they want to confuse you and kind of make you, well, maybe he wants something. So, so, so that means it's okay for people to come into our nation breaking the laws and stuff. Wait a minute. God has, where do we get our laws in the first place? You know, wait. So that's why we always have to be on guard. 
one thing when the world does it because they do it. It's another thing when you have church and pastors saying these things. That's what really where we really, you know, a big battlefront for us, us as Christians, conservative Christians, whatever, um, have to stand our ground. So next week we'll um, definitely check out what's the second one. Affirming people's potential is more important than reminding them of their brokenness. That deals with the doctrine of sin. You know, we, we need to affirm people, forget about sin, and then all the euphemisms for sin that comes in, mistake, brokenness, you know, um, bad decisions, you know. We, we don't want to call sin, sin. But we don't do that. We don't deal with it correctly. So. Let me pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you and praise you for this time. Thank you for these lessons, Lord. It's nothing really new. And yet, Lord, we have to constantly be on guard, constantly, that we can't let the shield down, even for a second, even for the slightest moment, because we know that the enemy will use that to bring in the false teachings and the false teachers. So I pray that we would be sharp, that we would be discerning, that we would understand these things, to be reminded of, of how fierce the battle is, how subtle the enemy is, how twisted things become, and how easily uh, solid, at one time, very solid ministries, churches, denominations, seminaries, quickly fall away, and it happens very quickly, Lord. Um, so I just pray that we would stand strong, that we would continue to count the cost, that we would continue to, to uh, look to you, Lord God, to sharpen our skills, notice when these things are happening, and, and even confront them biblically, especially among those who call themselves Christian. So, Lord, please give us the wisdom, strength, um, courage to, to do these things. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.